to be here tonight. I'm, I looked down at my shoe this morning and I've got spit up all over my shoe from one of my kids and I'm a bit salty about the rugby and I was haunted by a half Japanese, half Australian man in my dreams last night. So like, I just, it's, it's a little bit off kilter here eh, today, but it's okay. His name's Eddie Jones and he haunted me in my dreams. Um, but it's, uh, it's really... <laughs> This is awesome. I just want to give you guys a quick, quick update, really quick. Um, Anna, who was supposed to speak um, yesterday morning, her daughter Ailey was in the ambulance and they went to Palmerston Hospital and it was not it was not great overnight. Um, she, she went into a coma, um, but then this morning she came out of the coma and she is awake, her stats are normal, she's breathing on her own and they've transferred her to the normal ward. So Woo! she is um, doing really, really well. So can we just, yeah, let's give honour and glory to God in this place. Um, thank you for everyone Pretty, pretty hard night, I think, for them, and pretty scary when your kid is in that space. Um, it's awesome. And I just want to acknowledge that it's amazing to stand as a, as a bloke in this space, to stand by, behind so many phenomenal wahine tour in this organisation and this place. So I just want to acknowledge Rosie and Summer, who have gone before me and spoken. They're awesome. So give it up for those guys. <laughs> I just appreciate that we've got Rosie, who is our NZ CMS director, and she's just charging uh, in that area. And it's so great to just stand in behind her um, from from an organisational point of view, and so that we can be here and share about what God um, is doing in this world. Um, just want to acknowledge that um, I have admired um, your communities and your church for a while. I've never actually ever been to a blueprint service. <laughs> Scotty uh, sold his soul to my service for a hoodie um, a while back, so um, I'm yet to receive the same offer to, you know, maybe you give me a blueprint. Still waiting for my honorarium. Ah, it's the hoodie. Yeah. Um, but I just want to honour that you guys are um, a phenomenally apostolic movement of people who are out there um, doing what God is calling us to do and be a missional community and being people who are out there on the forefront of what God is doing. I mean, we look at the fact that you've got Blueprint and then you've got um, the Free Store and you've got Lyle Bay and then you've got Coming Soon or already started Brooklyn, who's meeting on Sunday mornings. And I mean, I just stand in awe of you. And so for me, it feels a little bit like when we talk about mission, we talk about a missional community or being on mission, it feels a little bit like I'm preaching to the choir um, here, although if you look up the front here, really, it's a folk band, but, you know, <laughs> um, you know, so it feels a little bit like we're preaching to the choir here, but so slightly intimidating in that space. Um, I just want to uh, kind of go back to what we've heard over the last few days um, from Rosie and from Summer, and the idea that there's this, uh, Rosie walked us through this kind of idea that the kingdom is is here but not quite yet or not quite yet but it's here and this idea of the pleated pants kind of theology of like oh we'll just kind of hang out and wait until the end or you then you've got the other side of the coin you've got you know tight skinny jeans and you're just trying to kind of do it all on your own and you're trying to build this kind of kingdom and yes I can do it in my own power 
Um, and then she brought us through into kind of the freedom to find our calling and going where God is calling us to. And then, of course, um, Sama came and she brought this word um, about our relationship with God and with ourselves. And she spoke about these broken relationships that, that in the beginning, and then we, we've, we've got God and ourselves and God and others and God and creation. Um, and how these relationships in the beginning were together in harmony with God and they broke. And then she really spoke into the God and self um, relationship and how we need to find wholeness in that space in order for us to be able to be effective at all, that we first have to acknowledge that we are broken and that our relationship with God is broken and that we need to find healing and wholeness in that space. And that's not like binging on Netflix and all of those things, but actually genuinely digging into what is it, where am I feeling broken? And where do I need to find healing in that space so that I can actually go out and be a part of what God is calling me to? Setting ourselves um, into communion with God so that we can um, be more effective. That idea that actually God delivered us out of bondage and delivered his Israelites out of bondage and us, and then we can engage in the Last Supper and the Eucharist and that actually in that space week after week after week when we have those moments, that we can reconnect with God and that we can reconnect with ourselves in that space and say, actually, God is healing me and he has delivered me and he has saved me from the time of trial in that space. We pray every week in the Lord's Prayer, save me from the time of trial. You know, we can remember the space where actually God delivered us out of bondage. And there are people in this world that live in bondage day after day after day who have no idea how to find that freedom. And we have that freedom and we have been set apart so that we might be able to be in communion with him so that we can better be more effective in his kingdom. And then it just led me to this question as I was preparing and I was reflecting on what these ladies over here have said, is what are we to be effective for? Like, what is the point? Okay, cool, like, let me find wholeness in, in God and let me feel like I'm restoring my relationship with him, but what is the point? What is it that we've been called to? We've got talking about mission, we're a mission organization at NZCMS, and we talk about William Wilberforce, and we talk about fighting the abolition of slavery, and then we think about colonization, bad topic. and then we think about like you know people bringing the gospel in, in New Zealand 200 years ago, and then we think about people coming uh, to Māori, coming to know Jesus, and, and this beautiful gospel. We, we're an organization that's wrapped up in mission, and, and what is the point? What is it that we are being called to? What is the invitation that we're being called to. Why are we finding wholeness so that we can be more effective? If you open your Bibles, everybody's like, where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's in my bedroom. I didn't bring it because the other services. Just so many highlights in here. I saw you actually had it out before, eh? Like you were pretending. Like I saw it before. God gave me a word in the worship time. Did he? Do you want to share it? Yes, good. Uh, let's open our Bibles to page 906. Oh, you don't have um, Matthew um, chapter 28. This is the goodness. This is, for me, where the rubber meets the road. And I'm here today because I think it's actually this, this is where the rubber meets the road for us. And this is the real deal. Like this, we've kind of gone on this journey and, and we need to just kind of, what did Scotty say this morning? We've got to get back and be hung up on the whole day. Like, you know, we're not off the hook. But let's actually get, we're, we're, we need to, this is where the rubber meets the road. Isaiah 28, starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus 
had told them to go. When they saw him, could you imagine? When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go now and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is it that we are to be mobilized for? What is it that we are to be effective for? What is the mission here? The mission is to go and to make disciples of all nations. Now, people will be like, go to the world, go to the other nations, but it says all the nations. And so I really want to honor in this space that, yes, we are a global mission agency in NZCS, New Zealand Church Missionary Society. It's all about kind of sending people overseas, but we have also got focused in this country. And New Zealand is a part of this. And so when we talk about mission, we're not just talking about the global world and all the other countries except for ours. We are honouring that this is ours. Go and make all times of all nations. This is God's mission. This is about bringing people back into communion with him. Bringing the light of Jesus. Allowing people to know and enter into a relationship with him so that they might be freed from the bondage that we have so freely and lovingly been free from. This is not something that we do on our own. This is not a mission that we cook up on our own. This is not the skinny jeans mentality here, where we just start to build kingdoms of our own and we just do our own little thing over here, blueprint does its thing, and then um, AY Youth Church does its thing over here, or, you know, what else have we got? St. Peter's and Willis speak Peter. You know, like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, this is not about building kingdoms. I was listening recently to um, this Cultural Moment podcast. Hands up if you've listened to this before. Everybody, great. Awesome. And, and, and it's awesome, and there's so much goodness, but there's this moment in there. And, you know, the bit that got me was, I get that they're from Seattle and from Melbourne, oh, Portland, sorry, and... Um, Melbourne, but it was when they brought the London guy in, and they they were talking about people in this generation, in this atmosphere, in this climate, have the ability to build their own kingdom, and they have the ability to just do what they want to do, and they just raise up enough people around them, and they just, you know, you see these kind of massive congregations of people, and it, it's it's. It's not aligning necessarily with what God's mission is. And you watch those kingdoms fall apart around them. And the reality is, is there's only one kingdom that we need to be putting our efforts into, and that is the kingdom of God. And that is where this call to mission comes out of. This is not something we do on our own. It's God's mission, the great commission of going and making disciples of all nations. And then there's this the beautiful nature of all of that is that we are all invited into that journey. This is not for a select group of people. This is not for the people who get the prophecy at the front. You know what I mean? 
This is not for uh, people who have got skills in cross-cultural ministry. This is not for Better World participants who come back and they've lived overseas for five months of the year and they suddenly know how to do it all. This is something that we are all invited into. John chapter 20. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus was sent to this earth to bring redemption, to die on the cross, and as Rosie said yesterday, that is the complete and utter contradiction to death and to sin, right? It is that we might have life and have life to its fullest. And the reality is, is that that happened, and Jesus came and was sent here so that we might also be sent to participate in this mission that God has called us to, which is to go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. This is not something for a select group of people. This is for all of us. And some of us are already on that walker. And some of us are like, guy, you're preaching to the choir. I get it. And that's okay, because we all need a raise up every now and again. Right? Come on. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I do too. Like, I need Rosie to get in behind me and say, guy, this is what we're doing. And my wife does it all the time, but, you know, that's for the home and behind the closed door, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that came out real wrong. Sorry. Don't record that. Don't write that up there. I mean, like, mission and, like, Go and make disciples. Sorry. Move along. That's what she said. No, don't go there. Did you need to say that for the bingo or have you already said it? Okay, good. Let's try to change tact here. Right? That's it. I just can't believe you didn't mean to do that. No, I didn't. It was a complete accident, mate. Um, it's, it's okay. Um, no, go, this is God's mission. We are all called and we are all invited. Do you need to step out? Do you need to take a moment? <laughs> this is so good. I remember the first time that um, I had this outrageous moment in my life. I was 15 years old and um, there was this, pen I, I became a Christian when I was um, um, my last year of intermediate and uh, in Wanganui, Christchurch, Wanganui. Um, yeah, what, are you from there? I'm from Wanganui. Come on, represent. Yeah, I'm from Wanganui. It's good. Um, anyway, Wanganui Intermediate, and um, I became a Christian. And anyway, Christchurch, Anglican Church, if you've ever been to a Sunday morning Anglican Church, it's, 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 um, it's okay, not really that super youth oriented, but it's all right. Um, and anyway, I wasn't there in the morning, it was an evening service, and um, it was quite youth oriented, and um, I was very new to this Christian thing, and um, I turned up, and there was, uh, this is before the um, screens and the data projectors, it was the overhead projector. Come on! Yeah. Come on. Hands up if you've already operated the Everybody's vigorously waving their head, like, and, and, and you know, you, you, look, this is gold, I found my people, this is fantastic. Most times when you speak to a group of yucca, they're like, oh, what's that? Like, Go look in your church vestry, I mean, it's like, hanging out the gun. They don't want to throw it away in case it comes back again. <laughs> So good. Oh, think of all the plastic. Oh. Uh. <laughs> 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 but 
you know, like, sometimes the printer went a bit funny and the words are a bit fuzzy and it was like, oh, just go with it, it's all right. But there was also this kind of thing where you, you were really invested in making sure the slides were like so slick and you, yeah. slide, you had it lined up at the top and you did this simultaneous like <laughs> and you made a rustling noise you know, that was not good uh, and then you were always sort of slightly off to the side and you were never really a part of the congregation uh, until the end. Anyway, so that was me. That was my job and I lived into it and I loved it and I served and I thought I was freaking awesome at it. Um, and, I, and you could play on your phone. But the phones were pretty new, so it was just really texting for me. But um, you could be on your phone and no one really knew. But anyway, um, I was there and we had this... Um, keep in mind, is Anglican Church pretty, pretty sort of normal, um, we had this Pentecostal speaker one night, oh. and, um, yeah. um, and he, was, he was this guy um, who was, um, he and his brother, um, their dad was an NZCMS missionary in India, for years they grew up in India, and they were living back in New Zealand, they came back to New Zealand, both got married, had kids, da da da, that's kind of irrelevant, but they, um, they had a mission organisation where they would send groups of young people overseas to proclaim the good news through drama, and like, they would be here, like, this is totally Pentecostal, just praying for people, seeing healings, all this kind of stuff. It was outrageous. Anyway, he came into our church, and, and I had never heard of mission before in my life. Never, pretty new to the scene. This guy gets up and he starts preaching. I'm a pretty violent preacher. He's going for it. I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, and just take into note that I was on the overhead projector. And so probably like in really kind of over here, whereas he was here. And this totally happened. And I'll never forget it. This guy stops mid-sermon and turns around to me at the overhead projector. And just like point blank, it's just like, mate, can you just stop distracting me? And I'm like, this guy's loony as a eh? like I'm just like, what is going on here? And, and then he just kind of carries on. And then he, maybe I'm assuming probably about a minute or so later, maybe it was less, I can't really remember, it's a bit vague. Um, but he turns around again and he's like, like okay, just cut it out, stop distracting me. And I'm just at this time, I'm like, what is going on here? And then he goes, all I can see is the fire of the Lord on your heart and you'll go to Galatians to preach the gospel and I feel like that's what God has got for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, earth open up and eat me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I'm just doing the slides, mate. Leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't even have my phone with me at the time. I, I just remember being like, is happening here. And my mum is in the crowd in the, in, over here, and I'm just thinking, holy smokes, like this is, what is happening? You know, it, no, this happened to nobody else that night. Like it wasn't like he was like, and you're gonna go, and you're gonna go, and everyone's gonna go to the nations. He's just like, stop distracting me. <laughs> and I just remember, I just remember going home and being like, what is even going to the nations mean? And what does mission even mean? And I remember going on this journey of discovering, I guess, what God's calling for me was in that moment, as outrageous as it was, that moment where God said, this is something that I have for you and I want you to live into that space and I'm inviting you into that space to go with me. 
and to go and make disciples. And it took me two years before I was like, two years and a bunch of people from my youth group who went on one of these trips for me to go, oh, is that what that looks like? I mean, they give you a brochure, eh? like there's these brochures that are kind of a part of it. And it's like, I look and we were looking at it going, three and a half thousand dollars for a trip. Screw that, who's got three and a half grand? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's outrageous. And then as I went along and I dug a bit deeper and I was like, okay, God, if you're calling me to this and this is what you're wanting me to participate in, you will come to the party. And then you get people who say, hey, I'll give you some money for that because I believe that's what God's calling you to. And suddenly it's this moment where the community is wrapping around you and this is an invitation for everybody to get involved in what God is doing in your life and a part of God's calling and a part of God's mission. And you see, this is the invitation that we are all called to. I went on one of those trips and it didn't change, I don't believe it changed anyone's life in India when I went there, but it changed my life. I think there was outrageous Christian practice in that place that I would never want any of my young people to participate in. But it changed my world. And I came back and I remember thinking, I am phenomenally changed and I will never be the same person in that space. God, you are calling to me. You're calling me to something bigger. It was 10 years after and a lot of wrestling when I was living in Karori working as a youth pastor pastor, asking God, where do you have me? When I was 14 or 15, you said go and make disciples in all the nations and you said you had a fire in my heart. But I'm here in this environment and I've got a bigger and deeper understanding of mission What are you calling me to? Where would you have me? And I wrestled and I wrestled and then a woman turned up in my world. I didn't want a woman. Seriously. I've been saying my life. I did want a woman. Not at that time. But she turned up and she harassed me. (laughs) <laughs> she was all over me, like, you know, like, well, she wasn't, it's a lot. <laughs> no, but seriously, Summer came to this conference, as she said yesterday, and I remember meeting her, and I remember thinking selfishly, if I need to go to Cambodia with my youth group, then I've got a great contact. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is this is a great person to know and she's awesome and we can hang out and, and like, you know, most people think, ooh, ooh, first night, like, you know. But like the serious nature of all of that was I just loved getting to know her. And then suddenly as I wrestled more with where God had me, suddenly it became evidently aware that actually there was more than a friendship with Summer and I and actually things were progressing. And I remember going into my office with um, my colleague and I said, man, I've been up all night talking to this chick in Cambodia and I'm tired and, you know, it's so good and, you know, I don't know what's going on here and she lives in Cambodia and, what you know, like, and and he goes, why are you complaining about a good thing? (laughs) I just thought, like, I just remember going home and being like, God, is is this really where you're calling me to go? Like, this is, is this wrapped up in all of this? And I remember submitting to that. And it's just kind of, God just works and he just moves and he just has these ways of inviting us into these spaces where he has us to be. And it's scary. Why, are we, why do we complain about good things? Why do we get upset about the fact that God calls us to these things? There 
is this um, quote by a guy called Gary Hogan, who works for International Justice Mission. And if you've had anything to do with the International Justice Mission, you know that they are a phenomenal organisation around the world. Summer has done some work with them, Anna used to work with them um, in India. And they work in this area of anti-trafficking. Um, they have had a phenomenal presence in the sex, labor, uh, sex trafficking uh, arena, and now they have moved uh, more into a labour trafficking environment where, the, uh, where they're working uh, with those who have been uh, labour trafficked. Um, in Cambodia specifically, that's where we knew of them. Um, they do a lot of stuff around the world. But Gary Hogan is this American guy who runs this organization and he has this quote that says, there are two things that you can be in life. You can be A, either safe, or you can be B, brave. And you can't be both. <coughs> same time and so you get to choose which one you want to be God has called us into this mission that he has for his people on earth and you get a choice do you want to be safe or do you want to be brave you can't be both and so my next question to you here is that this is the invitation that God's calling us to you. And what are your next steps in following Jesus in this mission? What is it that God has for you when we talk about going to the nations to make disciples and baptizing them in the Holy Spirit and bringing people into a wholeness and, and relationship with Jesus, when we think about the broken relationships of this world and the way that they've fallen apart from the natural plan, the plan that God had for us, and when sin crept in, and we think about how we might bring thy kingdom come on this earth, when we pray every week that Lord's Prayer, we ask God to come into this place. What is your next steps in that in that place? What is God's calling for you? I want you to sit in that space. not a hypothetical question if you're sitting there thinking that question's not for me. Steve Miner, um, the, our boss before Rosie, who's now the Bishop of Nelson, um, he had this question that he asked me and I'll never forget it and I'm assuming he asked a lot of people and I'm going to ask this of you. We just read out the Great Commission Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, whole, of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you very always to the end of the age. Steve asked me this question. God, is your life set up in a way that you're living out the Great Commission? It's a yes or no answer. There's no gray space in there. You either are or you're not. And if you're not, because I had to think, if you're not, what are you doing with your life so that you are reorienting it, so that you are living out the Great Commission? Go now. 
like the sun. NZCMS is here as an organisation that is moving and breathing within New Zealand to rally and, and answer the cry of a people that are saying, we will go and we will participate in this mission that God has called us to. And we are here to mobilise people for that and to, to inspire and to encourage and to raise up a generation of young people who are willing to stick their hand up and say, it's my time and I will go. We have, um, as Rosie said, loads of mission partners who are throughout the world. And when we think about mission and we think about this, this idea of mission, what God's God is called to, Sometimes it gets a bit wonky and we think, well, what is mission or, or what is like being a mission partner or do I have to go and preach on the, cor on the corner or do I have to wear a Hawaiian shirt or like do I have to teach at a Bible college or do I have to translate a Bible? Like those are things that happen, but what is God calling you to and how can God use you in that space? There are people who are working in anti-trafficking, there are people who are working in social enterprise and um, business as mission, there are doctors. There are nurses, there are Bible translators, there are theologians, there are people who are learning language and are not sure what they're up to. There are youth pastors. There are people out in the world who have heard God call them and have stuck their hand up and said, I will go for you, wherever you are calling me. There is a guy, who was at ministry conference um, last week for the Dion? Okay, cool. At those who weren't there, there was a mission partner from NZCMS called Te Tarangi Karaka. And he is our first Māori evangelist to New Zealand since we arrived like hundreds of years ago. Wow. Praise Jesus. Something went wonky and we forgot who we were as a church reaching out to the people of Aotearoa, telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ and NZCMS is a part of what God is doing in this land and reorienting ourselves to the way that the Spirit is moving in New Zealand and this call and this call that Jesus has for us to bring people back into communion with Him and to know Him and to have relationship with Him. This is what we are on about. This is the journey. This is the mission. This is the invitation. It is not just there. It is also here and we are invited to it. What is God calling you to and what are your next steps in this process? Is this, if not, why not? Is it because there's something in the way of us and God and you're hanging on to that? Like Summer said yesterday, are we not working towards wholeness and something is getting in our way and we are focusing on that and that is blocking us from hearing from God and moving in that space. Are we afraid of where God might have us? Is that scary to you? But it's good though. It makes you feel better. <laughs> Does it? Are you afraid? I'll tell you a story about being afraid. I was living in Cambodia with my wife and my four children, or three children at the time, sorry, 
And um, we have an adopted son. He's not here. He got a job at Rebel Sport. Um, he's living the dream, mate. He's, <laughs> he's got this new haircut, and he's like, you know, he's got a shirt, and he's just. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really, really he's proud of himself, mate. Ah, uh, he's phenomenal. Like, I love him. Yeah, he loves him, mate. I mean, this guy's a sports nut, and he's got a job at Rebel Sport. He's just living the dream. Anyway, um, Isaac, he's 16 now. And um, uh, someone gave you a bit of the story yesterday, and there's so much to that story, and that is a beautiful story of a massive explosion of God's accidental um, love and beauty in our life and the way that he just brought, our, brought Isaac into our world. But in 2014, we uh, managed to secure full adoption of Isaac. And most people, you think Angelina Jolie, they go, I want to adopt an Asian kid. And they go, you know, it's true. It's, it's reality, you know, or, or anybody who wants to adopt internationally, they go, the, the, re, the normal process is, I want to go and adopt a kid from overseas. That was not what happened in our world. It was, we had custody through a Whangai type situation of a boy who had nowhere else to go. And so we lived in Cambodia with our son, who we couldn't manoeuvre with. And then we were asked if we would be interested in following a process of adopting a child, Isaac, through the local adoption system. So we were in-country adopting a child through the local bureaucratic Cambodian system. Never do it. <laughs> it's awful. Um, but that's what we did. And so in a way, it was almost like we went through the other door that people don't normally go through. And, and so we were adopting Isaac, and we got... But, but understand this, that we couldn't manoeuvre anywhere in the world before we solidified adoption. We, we were just there. And we knew that that's where God had us. There was never any dispute. It was okay. And then suddenly in 2014, we got this beautiful miracle of God's um, divine providence of, of approving Isaac's adoption in, a, in an environment where that maybe just was not really what should have happened in a way that we're just outside the box. And it was just like, Okay, but it worked, and, we, and, and we, we were there. And then, of course, we solidified on the other end, because some is American. I am too, but I have my passport. Um, and, um, and, and New Zealanders, and we got their citizenship, and, and Isaac got his citizenship, and suddenly in our life we were like, we can go somewhere with Isaac. China came. You know, like... We have this opportunity to say, God, where would you have us? That's a scary space to be. Would you have me here in Cambodia because it's 35 degrees? I fight with my wife at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because it's so hot and we don't really like each other at that time of the day. And my children are cranky and the traffic's bad and it stinks. And there's and I, I wear headphones while I'm driving my 50cc motorbike and I'm playing Volcano Choir because I feel like I'm in some kind of movie because this is all that keeps me happy. But I will stay here for you and do youth work in that space. Um, I'll go to another country and learn another language. I'll do that. I'll go to America. Um, I would do it for you. Uh, or would you have like would you have me in New Zealand? Where would you have me? And I remember not knowing. And I remember 
coming home one day and Summer had said, I really feel like God is calling us to be missionaries in New Zealand. And whatever that looks like, goodness knows. But in that moment, we had three children. We were asking God where we have us. And it felt pitch black. And it felt like I had no idea where we were going. And I knew God had something for us. And I knew that he was calling us to something. It was so unknown. And it was so scary. And how do you tell people when you're on full support and you're a missionary in a third world country and it's sensationalized a little bit and people have this romantic idea of what you do and they think you're doing it and you're on the front lines for Jesus and then you turn around and you say, I feel like God's calling me to New Zealand as a missionary and I know that I'm standing in America and you want to go and have a holiday in America in New Zealand but give me money because I feel like God is calling me to New Zealand as a missionary. I had no idea what was on the other side of that pitch black space where I was putting my foot. But when you put your foot there and you say, God, I'm going there for you, the light comes on and God lights the way. Because what does he say in the Great Commission? Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here's the kicker. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He is never leaving us. Come on. Come on. Like seriously, I'm telling you, you put your foot down and it's black, you are freaked out, you might even poop your pants and that's okay. But look, he is with us to the very end of the age. The light comes on, you put your foot down. I remember looking at Summer and we had emailed around, we had a few conversations about what God might have for us in New Zealand. And then when you put your foot down, you say, God, I'm going there with you and I don't know what this brings, the goodness comes. Summer and I got together with our family. Uh, the smaller two children couldn't really talk at the time, so they didn't really have a say. But Isaac was involved, and we got together and we said, what are the most selfish things we could ask for if we moved to New Zealand? Money. That's good, that's good. But we don't really know where that comes from, so we didn't really ask for that. I mean, where we did, but... What are the most selfish things you could ask for? I want to work in a team. I want to do youth work. I want to do counselling. Those are the givens that we love to do. Isaac, I want to live near a McDonald's. I, I want to park near my house. You know, I want to be close to the school. I want to be near a kidney. Like, you know, all these things that are... I want to be close to my friends. You know, um, all these things that we ask for. Put your foot down, and the light comes on. God's there with you. And I kid you not, when we looked back at our list of all the things that we asked for when we said we would move here, we got them all. Work, ministry, kids, selfish things like McDonald's and parks, because God is faithful. And he's not calling us to something that is not good. The question is, you can be safe or brave, but he is good, and he has got us on this track for a reason. If you've read the C.S. Lewis book, The Lion of Witch and the Wardrobe before, there's this moment um, where I think it's Susan is talking to Mr. Beaver, and they're about to go and meet Aslan, and she says, oh, I might like to meet him. And Mr. Beaver's like, yes, of course, you can meet him. And then it's, she's cooked it up in her head that, that he's a man, that Aslan is a man. And, 
it's brought to light that he's not a man, that he's a lion. <laughs> Go figure. Beef is talk in this book, so, you know, why not? But Aslan is a lion, and she figures this out, and she suddenly gets a bit afraid. Because he's a lion. She says she's a bit nervous. And then she asks this profound question of Mr. Beaver. She says, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, almost with a chuckle at the beginning of the sentence, no, he's a lion. <laughs> he's not safe, he's a lion. But he is good. He is good. <laughs> he will eat you up. You're doing it with Yeah, you're a really right guy. This is the kingdom. Because the reality is, he will eat you up. Did we get that up there? Personally. She says, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver with a chuckle says, he's not safe. He's a lion. But he is good. And this is the same for our God who invites us onto this walker of mission with him. Who says, you are invited into this call to go to the nations, to make disciples and baptize them in the Holy Spirit. And I'm calling you into the space, and I will be with you right until the very end of the age. And here's a beautiful image of that um, in Isaiah 6 8. Let's go there. If somebody gets there before me, Somebody there? Can I borrow you one? Yep. Here's the beautiful image. Isaiah has this prophecy. He has this image of people in the temple. And he's not a part of this group of people. And they are, they are seeing the Lord. Holy, holy is the Lord of the heavens, armies, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple and its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then we skip down, and I just we just need to know that, that Isaiah is seeing this vision, and he is not a part of it. He's, a, he's sort of outside the group of people. And then I heard the Lord asking, he says, I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, not a part of the group, says, Here I am. Send me. He's so keen. He hears the call and he says, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to the people. Who is willing? to stick their hand up and say, here I am, Lord. Yes, send me. But I need a pair of legs and 
Go for it. <laughs> it's scary. Sometimes it's dark. We've got bills to pay. We've got jobs we're in. We've got financial security we're worried about. We've got wives and children. We've got parents that we live at home with. What will my mum think? What will my dad think? Who knows? What will my friends think? Where will I go? What will I do? I don't have the skills. Am I passionate enough? Can I communicate well? Can I tell people about Jesus? Who cares? Stick your hand up and say, God, I am here and I am going for you. Will you heed the call that we have been talking about over this weekend? That is to go make disciples in all nations. You are a missional apostolic community who is on the walker of reaching the least last and the lost, and that is everyone among us. And you are out there on the forefront of what God is doing. So whether you already know what I'm talking about, and this is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I'm there. Or if actually you are not on that walker, and this is a chance for you to say, I want to be there. This is your moment. I want us to just ponder for a minute. Now, I, I tried to get a whole bunch of post-it notes so we could have this response time, but if you have got a notepad, or maybe you can share some paper with the person next to you. We do a lot of talking in this world, and we do a lot of talking in the church, and we say, go away and ponder about it, or go away and pray about it, or whatever it is, but actually, let's not. Let's do this right now, where I want you to get your paper out, and I want you to share with the person next to you, if they don't have a piece of paper, get a pen out, because this is where we say, God, what are you calling me to? And how am I participating with you in this mission that you're calling me to? It might look for some of you like what you're already doing. It might look for some of you like something God has been calling you to that you have been suppressing. It might look like for some of you that maybe you've got some entrepreneurial bent in your world that you feel like God's calling you to start something that you're not starting because you're too afraid. Maybe the path has looked too black and too dark for a long time and you can't see where you're going and that feels too scary for you. What is God calling you to in the space that you're going to respond to? And what I want us to do is while we're doing that, maybe there's, I don't know if we need any music or something. Uh, it feels corny, but I think it helps us to get into no, space. <laughs> what I want us to do is we're going to write it out. And actually, let's don't put your name to it. But we're going to come and we're going to put it up here on the front. We're going to put them before the Lord at the front. And then we're going to, when you return to your seat, I want you to really dig in with God. I really want you to own that. I want, I, I want you to own your thing. And I want you to really seek that out. And I want you to know that I think, I believe this community exists for this, that there is enough people here who will wrap around you in that space. When you acknowledge and publicly declare to somebody or some people what God is calling you to do, you are then accountable for what God is calling you to do. 
It's no longer your own thoughts. You can't suppress it any longer because you've got your whānau around you who know what's up and they know how to ask the questions about where God's calling. So as you're writing your things down, come and let's scatter them up the front here. And then I want you to return to your seat and dig in for a couple of minutes. And I want you to press into God about what he's calling you to do.